0: Welcome to this episode of The Jambase Podcast. I'm Scott Bernstein.
1: And I'm Andy Kahn. And this episode is another installment of our Jerry Stories series, sharing memories of Grateful Dead guitarist Jerry Garcia. This edition of Jerry Stories features acclaimed author and longtime deadhead, Steve Silverman.
0: We're bringing you this edition of Jerry Stories during the so-called Days Between as a way to celebrate the life and legacy of Jerry Garcia. Steve's story about meeting Jerry will hopefully put a smile on your face.
1: Yes, Steve was on a recent episode of the good old Grateful Dead cast podcast to talk about his experience attending the Summer Jam at Watkins Glen, which was the focus of our last episode. Steve was one of
0: 600,000 people at Watkins Glen to see the Grateful Dead, the Allman Brothers Band, and the band. What's wild is that Summer Jam was Steve's first dead show. But from then, he was hooked and continued seeing the dead many times over the next
1: 22 years. Steve co-authored the book Skeleton Key, A Dictionary for Deadheads, which is an encyclopedia of information related to the Grateful Dead. I pored over that book as a young deadhead. I loved learning about the history of the band, and even more so the entries about the different aspects of their live shows, and especially the parking lot scene. It was where I first heard about Shakedown Street, you know, the spot outside shows, not the song, before experiencing that wild scene firsthand myself.
0: I also want to throw in that I was a huge fan of Skeleton Key, and I also learned who Tom Marshall was through that book, as it includes an interview with the Fish lyricist. But in addition to writing about the Grateful Dead, Steve is also a best-selling author of the book Neurotribes, about autism and neurodiversity. It's a really
1: important work in a really important field. It sure is, and Steve continues to be a leading voice when it comes to neurodiversity. Really brilliant stuff. Steve was also close friends with David Crosby, Their Freak Flag Flying podcast series is a must-listen if you haven't yet. You'll hear Cross tell some Jerry stories of his own.
0: And we've also had Steve write for Jambes. And a few years ago, we were lucky to sit right next to him at a fish show in San
1: Francisco. Yeah, during set break, he told me stories about his time with beat poet Allen Ginsberg. I'll save it for another time. But one of those stories involves Steve playing Darkstar for Allen.
0: Wow. Well... We'll we'll save Steve's Allen stories for another time. But now let's hear Steve recount his only time meeting Jerry Garcia, which we'll lead into with a bit of the Grateful Dead soundcheck jam from Steve's first show at Watkins Glen.
2: My name is Steve Silberman, and uh, most deadheads know me as the co-author with David Schenk of Skeleton Key, a Dictionary for Deadheads, which came out uh, in the early 90s. I'm also the author of Neurotribes, The Legacy of Autism and the Future of Neurodiversity, which came out in 2015. Um, I'm also a lifelong deadhead. The first time I saw them was at Watkins Glen with the Allman Brothers and the band in 1973. And that was a very celebrated performance in retrospect, in part because the day before the concert was officially supposed to start, they played an improvised sound check that was about 20 minutes of some of the most beautiful music that they ever played in their entire career. And I was lucky enough to be able to put it on the So Many Roads box set, the so called Watkins Glen sound check, later on once I started working with them. Uh, but... The one time that I ever had an in-depth interaction with Jerry, uh, which was very beautiful and which I remember with great fondness, was in 1987 in the fall when the dead were coming out with the So Far video, which was about an hour of them playing, uh, I believe, at uh, Marin Veterans Auditorium, I think, and Oakland Coliseum, uh, playing mostly for each other. Not really a show in front of an audience. Um, So it was beautiful to watch them interact. And it was a great video. It was a very intense time uh, in the life of the Grateful Dead, the fall of 1987. Because the year before, Jerry, uh, who did not know he had adult-onset diabetes, uh, became very dehydrated uh, after a show at JFK in very hot weather. uh, Came home and basically went into a coma for several days, and then while he was in that coma, uh, the doctors gave him Valium, uh, which he was allergic to, and his heart stopped, and they had to revive him. So it was very unclear whether or not Garcia would be able to survive that ordeal. And more than that, even when he did survive, and, you know, sort of came back to life, he was not able to play as guitar the way he had. So um, people like Merle Saunders really helped him relearn his craft. Uh, so we almost lost Jerry uh, a year before this video premiered. And so um, I was very, very glad simply that he was still alive. And then I got invited to a press screening of the So Far video at the Warfield in San Francisco, where I'd seen them, you know, play probably a dozen times in 19 In the concerts recorded for Reckoning and Live Dead So uh, I don't know how I got into the press screening I think I'd written a few uh, Pieces for the Golden Road Which was the best Grateful Dead fanzine there ever was uh, Produced by The excellent journalists uh, Regan McMahon and Blair Jackson And their friends I'd written a piece about Neil Cassidy That was really the first long piece of mine That was ever published anywhere. Um, So I was, you know, a journalist, but probably from the fan magazine world at that point, although I would go on and and become a, a, a successful journalist for Wired Magazine as well as the author of my books. So anyway, so I got invited to this press screening somehow, and I was so eager to get there that I got there an hour early. And I thought to myself, standing outside, well, should I go in an hour early? Or should I just kind of hang out on Market Street? Uh, And, you know, Market Street in in the late 80s was not the most fabulous place to hang out. So I thought, well, maybe I'll just go in. So I walk in the room, and lo and behold, there's only one person there. And it's Jerry Garcia. And he's sitting at a table by himself, rolling a joint. And so the last thing I wanted to do was to, you know, get all goofy and interrupt him and, uh, you know, kind of uh, interrupt his his uh, serenity there, rolling the joint. Um, So I, you know, I kind of made eye contact with him and he very generously made a hand gesture like, have a seat, man. You know, you're welcome to join me. And so I sat down across the table from him. And, uh, you know, he rolled a superb joint, as you might imagine, and passed it to me, and we got high, and we started talking. And we quickly found a groove that we both got into. And, uh, you know, I forget exactly what we were talking about, but we were probably talking, you know, I probably wasn't saying, oh, my God, Jerry, I grew up, you know, standing 30 yards in front of you for the last, you know, 20 years or whatever, which was also true. But, um, you know, so I was trying to, you know, be an adult about it all and, and engage him because I knew that he was... Known to be not just very intelligent, but to have a very wide range of interests. So, we were probably talking about uh, experimental filmmaking, which we were certainly talking about afterwards. But uh, so we talked and we had a, a really good conversation. And then we saw the film and uh, it was great. Uh, there was a lot of interesting use of montage in it. So, while Mickey and Billy were doing drums in space, there were, you know, pictures of of indigenous people making music and hunting and stuff like that. So um, it was a very experimental art film, you could say, with absolutely kick-ass music. And probably most of the art aspects of the So Far video were uh, executed by Lynn Delamico, who was uh, Jerry's collaborator on the film, and I'm sure Jerry himself. Um, I remember there was a segment in the film where there was this kind of very alive-looking pattern. And Jerry explained that it was dancers' legs, like from the 20s or 30s, uh, you know, like—what like, uh, like um, what is that called? um Jitterbuggers, yes, and Jerry said something like, even if you really multiply that image and sort of uh, reproduce it with computers so that it looked more like a pattern than instantly recognizable legs, he said that those patterns had a quote-unquote life quality, which I thought was a really interesting thing for Jerry to say. So we watched the film. Everybody loved it. There weren't that many people there. Uh, You know, they were all journalists. There was a press conference. And then afterwards, Jerry found me again to continue our conversation, which I was very, very happy about. And um, we talked a lot about experimental filmmaking, which I knew something about because um, I had gone to Naropa, now Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado, where I was the teaching assistant to the beat poet Allen Ginsberg, who was a good friend of Jack Kerouac's and Gary Snyder's and the other beat people. And while I was there, there was a pioneering underground filmmaker there named Stan Brackage, who showed uh, one of his early experimental films, Dog Star Man, which had influenced practically everybody. And it used montage in a similar way uh, to the So Far video. And... And so, you know, I knew enough to keep Jerry engaged, which was great. And at some point, and don't forget, I was still incredibly high from the joint we had smoked together. At some point, I thought to myself, wow, this guy is really smart. And it was as if I had forgotten that it was Jerry, you know. And so I'm thinking like, God, this guy is so hip. And then I thought to myself, of course he's hip. It's Jerry Garcia, for the love of God, you know. There's, there's a reason why you've been standing 30 years you know 30 yards in front of this man for you know, a lot of the last 20 years of your life or something so uh, the other quality I noticed in Jerry's conversation was that he uh, there was something conspiratorial in a nice way about it in that you felt like he was bringing you in on this conspiracy of two people just by having a conversation conversation with him that was sort of like you were looking at the folly of the rest of the world and so you could see sort of how how dopey and how you know robotic a lot of the world was but you two were somehow special because you were talking and laughing and looking at the world with this amused detachment and I remember feeling how good it felt to be in that conspiracy with Jerry and so uh, we we continued to talk uh, for probably about ten minutes, and there were people bugging him all the time, like press people, photographers. Dennis McNally, the PR guy, who was always really nice to me, I must say. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, he probably invited me to the press screening in the first place. Uh, Dennis was, you know, Jerry, you got, you know, you got to come over. You know, the Chronicle wants to take your picture, etc. So, you know, Jerry kind of resisted it, so we could keep talking, which was wonderful. But then. And finally he had to go and what was so sweet was that when he, when he decided that he had to go what he did was he looked me right in the eyes gave me a big goofy shrug like well what can I do I'm famous this is my karma. you know he didn't say that but that was what was sort of coming out of his eyes and uh, so he gave me this big goofy shrug and then he threw his arms around me in a big bear hug and it um, it was not, you know, dare I say, it was not the kind of hug that most heterosexual men give each other, which is the, we're not really melting into this hug. I'm just going to pound you on your back so that you know both I care for you, bro, but also we're not gay. It was not that kind of hug. It was actually a completely earnest and sincere and warm and sweet bear hug. And I remember that. Uh, his beard smelled like cigarettes and weed. And it was wonderful. And I was so happy that I had finally been able to give him a hug for all the joy and revelations that uh, he and his bandmates had given me over the decades. So that was my experience with Jerry Garcia.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Jam Based Podcast. If you like what you hear, share it with a friend and let them know they should subscribe to the Jam Based Podcast too. Thanks to Steve Silberman for sharing his memories of Jerry Garcia with us. Stay tuned for more of our Jerry Story series. Thanks to Jake Alexander for helping produce this episode. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, make every second count. And go see live music.